Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. Well, welcome back. As we head into Hour 2, as it is Friday, we do so with George Kaloff. He is the managing partner at the Resolute Group. He is also president of Data Orbital, one of the finest, keenest political minds and analysts and uh, consultants in the country. Delighted uh, we have him here with us in Arizona and regularly on Friday, on Fridays. George, welcome back. How are you, sir? I'm good. How are you doing, Seth? I'm doing fine. I, you know, I was thinking about topics I wanted to run by and through you uh, this week. Sometimes there are less political weeks than others. My gosh, politics after <laughs> <laughs> after the election in January are yeah. everywhere. There is so much to talk about. I wonder if we might start locally and move nationally. Sure. Let's, do it. Let's do it. Let's start with the governor, um, Katie Hobbs. She gave uh, a state of the state address uh, earlier in the week. Uh, she is uh, setting about doing what she promised she would do on a lot of fronts, including education choice and including the life uh, and abortion issue. Um Let's start with education for a moment, and then I'll get to what something kind of caught my eye and ear in her state of the state on abortion. Um, she is seemingly trying to dismantle the uh, ESA program, the school choice program. Uh, she says she was given a mandate to do so. A friend of mine uh, tweeted, Governor Hobbs wasn't given a mandate to do anything, much less to dismantle programs that give opportunity and freedom in education. The program has grown exponentially, giving parents choices for their children's education. This is an odd thing to tinker with, isn't it? Unless you have, I suppose, certain constituencies you need to pay off, huh? So as a fellow political uh I was, uh, I was commiserating with them yesterday. I uh, put it, I think, the best way that I can. Any glimmer of hope that we had that she would be even remotely bipartisan. Yeah. Remotely. Yeah. There was only a glimmer yeah. that has been dashed. Yeah. Uh, everything yeah. that she talked about priority-wise in the state of the state, her budget today completely unend- upending the way that now 50,000, nearly 50,000 students are choosing to receive education in the state of Arizona, which, by the way, it took us 15 years to go to 12,000, and yeah. it's taken us uh, three months yeah. to go from 12 to 50. Yeah, that's an exponential um, growth in one year. Right? Yeah, yeah. She she is speaking and saying the word bipartisan in every single action she has taken, from the majority of her appointments, not all, the majority of her appointments to lead agencies, to now what she is choosing to put forward as her priorities in this budget and the way that she gutted the extension of empowerment scholarship accounts to every student uh, so that families can choose the best path, best path forward for their child is unconscionable. And I just, what I would assume is happening, Beth, is that she knows she's in uh, for a wild ride in negotiating yeah. with a very conservative state house and a very yeah. conservative state Senate yeah. run by two, uh, two men that One that of whom's the architect of this, right? In Bentoma, exactly. if I'm not mistaken. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And so I think she is using this, I would assume, as a bargaining chip, because if anyone believes that there are Republicans down in that state House and state Senate that are going to now choose to gut 
uh, a s- exceptionally popular program uh, on the right and, frankly, on the left if you remove yourself from partisan politics. Um, I think they're crazy. So there's no way that I believe that she genuinely thinks that she can roll this back. But I suppose she is fulfilling a campaign promise. She's just uh, not choosing to be bipartisan, which is what she keeps saying she wants to do, but is very clearly not actually laying that out in the policy she's choosing to push. Yeah, let me let me underscore something you said that I think is really interesting here. It grew from 12,000 to 50,000 in the past year, the tale of which is when she decides to gut it. That's really interesting. There has never been more support, more desire, and frankly, more need for it at just the very time she wants to gut it. That's that's a disconnect, not only between what the people want, but also what she has said about bipartisanship. It's not hurting anyone. That's the thing about this. It doesn't hurt anyone. It comes, as Lincoln once said, as gentle as the dew. This isn't a program that is taking money really out of anything. No, no, not at all. And, and there was a line that was used in the state of the state about how this was going to bankrupt. Yeah. Uh, the state, yeah. which is not accurate. No. Jason Bedrick from the Heritage Foundation very quickly afterwards on Twitter put out very cohesive and very intelligent charts and graphs and data to prove that that is not, in fact, the case. This actually ends up it's a saver. Um, in, in, yeah. in best case saving the yeah. state money and worst case being a, uh, a net zero. But more importantly than all this, and you and I have said this line probably more times than we can count that on the show, the important thing here isn't saving or not saving. We want to invest in our children. It's the fact that children and families are best served when parents have an option and a choice for how they educate their children. The people want it. I believe she knows the people want it, but is choosing to side with a constituency that does not want parents to have a choice for how they educate their kids. Yeah. No, I mean, a a program that increases by 400 percent in one year is not the first program I would cut. It just isn't. Um. Okay, that was one thing she said. This one caught my eye, and I really wanted to run it by you because I know you are the singular expert on this, if not uh, the country perhaps, certainly in this state. Uh, She's going after uh, the uh, abortion law, the 15-week abortion law that was signed by the uh, previous governor as well as passed by last legislature. And she says an over—I'm quoting directly now— An overwhelming majority of Arizonans, more than 90 percent, in fact, believe abortion should be legal. That's playing awfully oddly with some numbers, isn't it? It is. It is. That is wholly and 100 percent factually inaccurate. The survey that she is quoting uh, doesn't even say that. What the survey says is that the lion's share, 50 percent of Arizonans, and there was a very specific way that the survey uh, worded this, believe in some, um, I think they said it in this way, some types of abortions. I'm looking at it, man. 50% right up front on this survey that they hyperlink to or whatever. Right up front, 50% say it should only be legal under certain circumstances. Certain circumstances. And less, 41% say legal under any circumstance. How you get that, I guess if you add 50 to 41, (laughs) you can get to 90. But the numbers are against her. Yes, 100%. Actually... And, and as you said, Seth, we are proud to have spent a considerable amount of time and energy holding this very important yeah, issue. Yeah. We actually know that the lion's share of Arizonans believe in some kind of limitation. There is only 20%. When you ask it this way, do you believe in allowing abortion up until the moment of birth? Only 20% of Arizona voters believe that that should be legal. 
And 80%, in fact, believe that at a minimum, and, and again, you and I wouldn't believe that a limitation is, let's say, 30 weeks, but that is some kind of limitation, mm-hmm. believe in some sort of limitation. And actually, a majority of Arizonans believe it is somewhere at least in the 8 to 15 week mark, if not squarely in the 6 to 8 week yeah. mark, which is when a heartbeat can be heard, which is why there are politicians around the country like Stacey Abrams who believe that we've made up yeah. the heartbeat somehow yeah. Yeah. Uh, because yeah. they know how powerful it is. So yeah. it's not correct. No, this it poll itself, too. Correct. I mean, if you read down, it says 9%, which is matching close to your numbers and your stuff. This one says 9% legal in all circumstances. Yeah, it's an incredible thing. It's an incredible, in all circumstances, George. It's an yeah. incredible lie over something that's you know, so emotional, why you would want to inject a lie over something so emotional in the state of the state of all places, kind of a kind of an interesting thing. But it does give you a view of the template of, of her administration forthcoming, doesn't it? It, it does. And, and look, Seth, I, um, you know, you and I are good enough friends to know that you, you obviously, uh, you do talk for a living, but you talk substance and substance matters a lot to you, as does, uh, as it does to me, and so many people in the state that want to see good things done. Um, we, we should all have hoped, and we all, I, I suppose, continue to hope that there is some way that we can come together and get actual substantive positive things done. Now, look, I don't want to get things done just for the sake of getting things done and then we compromise our values, but we actually have problems to solve. And I think the attitude that we should all be bringing to this table is how do we, how do we actually do the business of the state? Um, and I just, I, I had, again, a glimmer that that was going to be her posture. And she's still like saying it verbally, but every action completely undermines those verbal words. And I'm just looking, and I think it's going to have to come over time when they continue to run into roadblocks with the House and Senate, because it takes three to tango, to use that metaphor in this scenario. You need it to pass out of the House, pass out of the Senate, and get signed by the governor. But we've got real problems to solve in this state and real things, inflation and other stuff. And uh, we need to take it seriously. And I just don't feel like she is. I think that there's just a kowtowing to... Um, a very vocal but small minority of her party, and yeah. she's essentially laying out the exact roadmap that they want for her to follow, not what the people of Arizona want her to follow. Every time she uses the word bipartisanship, I kind of feel like it's uh, Harry of Windsor talking about the need and quest for privacy. That's kind of the way I feel about it, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought it. I, yeah, there you go. All right, I like let me that take one. a. That's good. That's a good yeah. <laughs> Let me let me take a, a quick commercial break. Let's do some national news when we come back. Is that okay, George? Let's do it. All right, George Kaloff is our guest. He is the, uh, of course, managing partner at the Resolute Group and the president of David Orbital, the Resolute dot Group. If you want to get in touch with him, the Resolute dot Group. He and I will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. George Kaloff is our guest. He is the managing partner at the Resolute Group, president of Data Orbital Consulting. George, my producer, gave me another one over the break. Um, Katie Hobbs talking about bipartisanship is like Joe Biden saying he takes classified documents very seriously. Uh, (laughs) and, And if you parse that sentence, I suppose this has been the political story of the week. You could you could just play with the play with the. With the with the comma there, he does take classified documents very yeah. seriously. <laughs> Not a joke, he might even say. <laughs> Boy, this was an interesting one, wasn't it? Um, and a lot of people are speculating about the media turning on him, 
uh, in a way they have never seen so viciously before. Um, they think part there's been speculation. It's because they really don't want him to run in 2024, and they want him kind of wounded uh, because they don't think he can win in 2024. My own sense, I'd just love to get yours. You know, you follow politics in the media. You prof- you're, That's your profession. My own sense is I think the media, if there's one thing they don't like more than anything, it's being lied to. And I think on Monday with his first statement uh, and not indicating that there were more to be found, that there more there was more that they had found, um, I think they felt lied to. I think that's what got them more than anything else. But I'd love your take on, on the way, my gosh, even Ed Henry at CNN sounded like Peter Ducey this week. I mean, 100 percent. And this is the other problem set that he that he has and, frankly, others on the on the left have. That and, and again, this is not to compare the two situations. The point is not to compare these documents. Find you know how they found these documents in Mar-a-Lago and the reactions people are quick to try to analyze. The point is not about analysis. The point is about perception is reality, yep. which is the way that the left conducts itself, which is the way that we need to look at the situation. Then, um, the way that they approach Mar-a-Lago and, and the entire commentary around it was like, well, if anyone does this without any explanation, no matter good, bad, or circumstance, this is these are the laundry list of reasons why it's horrific. Right. But it's, it's the holier than now. The second that it happens to a member of their party, yeah. the president of the United States, now they're trying to explain it away. You can't have your cake and eat it, too. You yeah. can't have it both ways. But the media, at a minimum, and this is now, and again, this is just one thing, so we'll see how it continues to play out. But if you remember the time from essentially the horrific Afghanistan withdrawal yeah. to really about the leak for Roe, we spent the bulk of our time on Fridays talking about how he was doing, you know, one new thing after another every week to step in it, sometimes yeah. multiple times a thing a week. Yeah. This is sort of akin to that. It's come back to that uh, phase, and miraculously they waited from November 2nd, right before the election, to today. And so I would say that the media is trying to cover their own behind so that they can even remotely be perceived as neutral or as willing to talk about the truth. Yeah. And and so now they're like, oh, man, they're remembering that he is a liability yeah. <laughs> and that he that he would be a liability if, if he were on the ballot to try to say, okay, how do we maybe kind of push it in another direction um, or at least try to save our uh, save our own bacon? Because they also did kind of if they didn't buy into the narrative, they certainly propagated the narrative that Joe Biden was going to be fundamentally different than Donald Trump. And he has shown them time and again, the rhetoric is just as rough, if not tougher. Um, the talk about his opponents is just as rough, if not rougher. And the questions of ethics are just as questionable, if not more so, whether we're talking Hunter Biden or whether we're talking things like this. Now, I made the point, I don't know if you agree, I made the point the uh, yesterday maybe or the other day, if not yesterday, the day before, that, you know, I think most presidents end up walking away with some papers that end up being classified, a de minimis issue at best. It's that everything was so over, over so overheated and inflated with Donald Trump. It required sirens and police lights and an FBI yes. raid. Yes. And yes. having that be the standard, as you say, the question is why these guys are now defending a guy who it turns out is doing some of the same stuff Donald Trump did, except with the rhetoric and the partisanship, maybe even worse. Right. Some of that. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. I mean, that's the whole point is they've changed the narrative, and they've changed the way that we're supposed to. They have, uh, I should say it this way, they have retrained the American mind and the, 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 the American people's mind to view issues like this more intensely because that's how they wanted to have Donald Trump treated. Now they don't want Joe Biden yeah. or any other Democratic politician to be treated yeah. that way. 
and now they're trying to untrain, well, you got to be careful what you ask for. Yeah. You've hyped up an entire nation. Yeah. And now both sides are hyped up, and now you're trying to walk it back. Right. Why, why, why are you going to walk it back for this scenario? There's been 50 other times that we could have walked it back and handled it um, seriously, sure, in a lot of scenarios, but still judiciously and intentionally, and you chose to score political points. Yeah. So why is this scenario going to be any different? Why should they expect Republicans like Speaker McCarthy, why should they not expect him to dunk and spike the football? Because wouldn't Pelosi do the same? Yeah. Actually, we know she would. She yeah. did. Yeah. <laughs> she yeah. did the same yeah. time and again, not yeah. just on the Mar-a-Lago laid on everything you can imagine. Every so, week was a crisis of our Constitution. Every exactly. week we were in a constitutional crisis, according to her and Jerry Nadler. Every week. Yeah. I mean, and, and that's why. <laughs> yeah. if, if we want to re-pivot ourselves as a country, then we need to have honest discussions about how everyone is participating in it. Don't yeah. tell me that Republicans are veering us off a cliff and Democrats right. are saying and the media, whatever. No, no. Uh, we have to analyze who's participating. Everyone's feeding into it. There's two sides to every situation, if not three or more sides, depending on it. That means we have to look at it honestly. So if you want to get this country out of its mess, let's not pretend like you're not a party to the same thing you're criticizing the other party for doing. That's the thing that really grinds the gears of people like me and you and, yeah. frankly, yeah. rank-and-file Americans who are expected to behave one way, but then elites can behave another way. Americans hate, I don't know if your polling shows this, it's my sense, so you may have a different view based on your, your research. Um, mine is just a sense. It seems if the media hates one thing, it's being lied to. If Americans hate one thing, it's unfairness, whatever their party, whatever their political predilections. There's something about fairness that beats in the American bosom, it seems to me. And if there's one thing that we have really noticed, it's been going on for obviously a lot of decades, but more so now than ever before, this double standard that the rules only apply or seemingly only apply to one party. I like yeah. to point out, you yeah. know, this notion above the Supreme Court etched in stone, equal justice under law was the Greek yeah. word for democracy in Somonia. And people just don't feel like that is the case anymore. There's no. an unfairness going on. There is. There is. There is an unfairness going on, absolutely. And if you're the average American and you're looking at this, you're asking yourself why, you know, at a minimum, even even those people that are in the middle that may be center-left, they view the way that the far left yeah. is using unfairness to yeah. paint and say, look, it's okay to be unfair because the belief system of the other side is so grotesque yeah. and racist and bigoted and whatever. Any and then storm, some members, yeah. Yeah. 100%, and some members of the right then respond and you know we're having a back and forth but it, it i mean i i'm sorry I, I believe that the intensity that comes from the left to people of faith to conservatives to oh people of faith that are conservatives uh -huh. combine the two yeah. right i mean it's 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 intense and that's yeah. how they justify the unfairness yeah. argument because it's okay to be unfair to people yeah. who are horrible people yeah that's what they are trying to warp the mind the american mind to think that we are the threat to democracy we are the party of fascism but as it turns out there's only so much so much you can fool people you can't fool all the people all the time to give you abraham lincoln again george kaloff you are the best thank you i appreciate checking in with you on these fridays very much so sir all right, look forward to talking to you soon. You betcha. George Kaloff from the Resolute Group and Data Orbital. Open lines, 602-508-0960. Anything on your mind, we're here for you. We'll be right back.
Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Speaking of uh, comeuppances in the Biden family, um, our friends at Issues and Insights write, after more than two months, the Justice Department has finally named a special counsel to look into Joe Biden's possession of classified government documents at his namesake think tank and his Delaware home. For this, give credit to the newly elected Republican Congress. As the saying goes, a new broom sweeps clean. And with a new Congress comes new priorities. That includes investigating the Biden family's possible criminal corruption and its business ties to Chinese, Ukrainian and Russian state-linked organizations. It took Attorney General Merrick Garland just days following Trump's November 16th announcement that he would run for president in 2024 to name a special counsel. Quote, based on recent developments, including the former president's announcement that he is a candidate for president in the next election and the sitting president's stated intention to be a candidate as well, Merrick Garland said, I have concluded that it is in the public interest to appoint a special counsel. That timing is interesting since it was on November 2nd, six days before the November 8th midterm elections that classified documents were found at the Penn Biden Center for Diplomacy and Global Engagement, a think tank affiliated with the University of Pennsylvania, miles from the White House. But it took until Monday for the Justice Department to announce the discovery. Would it have made a difference in the midterm elections? Who knows? We do know, however, that Garland waited until after the midterms and the epic battle over House leadership to finally name a special counsel. No doubt, after seeing the 20 GOP Freedom Caucus members' willingness to fight for what they wanted, including a congressional investigation into the whole sordid Hunter Biden laptop affair, followed by the discovery this week of a new trove of classified documents stashed at Biden's Delaware home garage right next to his Corvette Stingray, Garland knew he had to act. Biden's jokey response was feeble, bordering on pathetic. Quote, by the way, my Corvette's in a locked garage, so it's not like they're sitting out on the street, he said. Biden said the discovery surprised him, even though the documents were moved at least twice. This is just one more piece of a mound of evidence of serious corruption by Biden. Surprise, by the way, if I can just pause for a moment, is hard to take and swallow, knowing that, A, they've had them for months, but more so that nagging issue I can't get past, which is why attorneys were hired to do the moving of these documents. I simply can't get past that. Not if you thought there was nothing there that needed to be or was considered to be privileged. And the notion that they're just locked in your garage, a garage door that opens and closes routinely when he's in Delaware, a garage and a house and a room next to it adjacent to it under equal control by Hunter Biden is just not my idea of anything remotely related to the cognate or word secure. Anyway, Back to issues and insights. Biden's and son Hunter's influence peddling efforts have been well documented over the years. The media have covered for Biden's actions while spinning wild, laughable fairy tales about former President Donald Trump's Russia collusion. One exception to the media, media blackout was a lengthy Washington Post investigation of the Bidens last March that was quickly buried by the rest of the media. Its findings were nothing short of damning, quoting the Washington Post last March. 
While many aspects of Hunter Biden's financial arrangements with CEFC China Energy have been previously reported and were included in a Republican-led Senate report from 2020, a Washington Post review confirmed many of the key details and found additional documents showing Biden family interactions with Chinese executives. Over the course of 14 months, the Chinese energy conglomerate and its executives paid $4.8 million to entities controlled by Hunter Biden and his uncle, according to government records, court documents, and newly disclosed bank statements, as well as emails contained on a copy of a laptop hard drive that purportedly once belonged to Hunter Biden. The new documents, which include a signed copy of a $1 million legal retainer, emails related to the wire transfers, and $3.8 million in consulting fees that are confirmed in new bank records and agreements signed by Hunter Biden, illustrate the ways in which his family profited from relationships built over Joe Biden's decades in public service. The contract signed in 2017 stated that Hunter Biden would get a one-time retainer of $500,000 and then receive a monthly stipend of $100,000 with his uncle James getting $65,000 a month. Let me pick, that was all the Washington Post. Let me pick up on this when we come right back. I'll take a quick commercial break and we will be right back. Are you concerned with stock market volatility? What if you could invest in a portfolio with a high fixed rate of return not correlated to the stock market? You can turn your monthly income on or off, compound it, whatever you choose, and there's no loss of principal if you need your money back at any time. Why refi? They have that opportunity. It's a secure, collateralized portfolio that delivers a high fixed interest rate up to 10.25% rate of return. That's right, 10.25%. YReFi is a due diligence approved firm, and you can check them out at investyrefi.com. That's the word invest, the letter Y, and then refy.com, or call them at 888 YREFI34. 888 YREFI34. I'm reading a uh, pretty good distillation of the appointment of the special counsel from uh, the folks at Issues and uh, insights. And um, they were reminding us that in March, even the Washington Post substantiated a lot of the corruption that Hunter Biden was involved in. And uh, back to the issues and insights, Biden was the big guy who caught a piece of all these deals for being Joe Biden, former vice president and possible future president. What does this have to do with classified documents, you may ask? Plenty, as it turns out. Joe Biden brags about being a professor at the University of Pennsylvania, an Ivy League school that paid him $1 million for his professorship and as head of the think tank where some of these documents were found. A better description of Biden's job would be chief China fundraiser. As the New York Post reports, the Ivy League collect, uh, excuse me, the Ivy League College, University of Pennsylvania, raked in a total of $54.6 million from 2014 through June of 2019 in donations from China, including $23.1 million in anonymous gifts starting in 2016. Most of the anonymous donations came after the university announced in February of 2017 that it would create the Penn-Biden Center for Diplomacy and Global Engagement. Joe Biden, whose term as vice president had just ended, 
was to lead the center and was also named a professor at the university. The center, which is located in Washington, D.C., opened its doors in February 2018. Anthony Blinken, Anthony, really, Anthony Blinken, whom Biden named as Secretary of State, briefly served as its managing director. The Ivy League University received $15.8 million in anonymous Chinese gifts that year, including one eye-popping $14.5 million donation in May 2018, the records show. All this doesn't include the millions of dollars of documented payments to the Bidens from other leading officials in Russia, Ukraine, and China. The truth is, Biden should have been forced to resign as vice president and deserves the highest level of investigation now for his nonstop influence peddling, which has weakened America's standing in the world while enriching his family. The coming congressional hearings on the Hunter Biden laptop revelations should be an eye-opener for even politically jaded Americans. We think they'll soon agree. Joe Biden deserves to be perhaps even impeached for putting his White House influence up for sale to the highest foreign bidder. You know, the thing I was just thinking about when I was reading, rereading you that Washington Post piece from March is how fast things move and get forgotten. So that was a one-off Washington Post detailing of Hunter Biden's corruption uh, in the Washington Post. You know, it's in long those things that won't make other headlines. There was a one-off Washington Post story I quoted on Monday, and I just don't think it's penetrated anywhere, anywhere beyond those who already knew this because we had been speaking about it for years which was the study, the Washington Post, as far as I know, the only major paper to do so, maybe the only paper to do so, major or minor. story, the Washington Post, published on the study from New York University on Monday that investigated the uh, Russian bot, the Russian um, social media uh, influence, uh, election influence operations of 2016. The Washington Post wrote up the study from New York University that found 90% of the Russian misinformation about the 2016 election went to committed Trump supporters already and could not substantiate one vote that was changed for president because of Russian influence on social media in 2016. As I say, I had been saying this for years, I'd been saying, tell me one person whose vote changed because of these Russian election interferences. I'm not pro-Russian election interference. It's wrong. It should have been stopped a long time ago. Funny enough, it took place when there was a Democratic president who could have done something about it, Barack Obama. Did he know about it? Of course he did, because he spoke about it. I remember the press conference. He said, I told Vladimir Putin to knock it off. Well, Vladimir Putin... Didn't take that seriously enough, I guess. But it does mean Barack Obama knew about it and did nothing about it. But neither did it do anything to change the election, which set off the entire course of the Trump presidency's four years being illegitimate because it was a Russian influence operation that led him to victory in the 2016 election. Again, New York University, substantiated by The Washington Post on Monday, repeated nowhere, maybe this show and a few others, Certainly only only places I've seen it with this show in The Washington Post. Nowhere 
was one vote changed because of the Russian influence peddling operation in 2016. Not one. New York University, Washington Post. Byron York was writing on this three years ago. I was debating it five years ago. Anyway, um, the stories that don't get written is sometimes and perhaps even this week the uh, what's the word I want the fallout from something like these classified documents story flooding the zone and dominating the news cycle. Other things of really very durable importance get crowded out. I was talking in my monologue about how there were no headlines this week about what would have been under a Republican administration, to be sure, or in almost any other time, to be sure, a major headline across this country, which is this past year was the highest year in the history of this country since we started taking these statistics in in the early in the late 60s, early 70s, highest year of regular illegal and dangerous drug use in this country. I'll repeat it in case you missed it. Everyone knew and everyone agreed in the research substantiated 1979 was the worst year for drug use in this country until we learned this week that last year was. We beat it. 14.1% in 1979. We got it down to 5% in the 90s. It's now at 14.3%. That should have been headlines. A lot of Americans are dying. A lot more are suffering. And it's needless. I'm Seth Liebson. By the way, and until it's reported, no one's going to really think about or do anything about it, much less know about it. I'm Seth Liebson. We'll be right back. It's going to be a year of tough economics, what with inflation and a recession looming. You can start the year by securing the value of your cash reserves and investments, guarding them against what many are predicting will be a year of great economic turmoil, especially for the dollar. The economic signs are indeed worrisome, which is why I recommend calling the veteran-owned Midas Gold Group to safeguard your wealth with the stability of gold. Gold holds its value when economies fail. And with stocks and bonds crashing over 20% just last year, gold continued to hold its value. Trust the precious metals dealer that Seb Gorka and I and thousands of you already know, the Midas Gold Group. Let them be your hedge against the ravages of inflation. Check them out at MidasGoldGroup.com. That's MidasGoldGroup.com. Or better yet, call them at 480-360-3000. 480-360-3000. Rich is in Scottsdale. Hello, Rich. Hi. Thanks for taking the call. Thank you. Uh, two points Two points I wanted to make. One, I, I have rental properties on the west side of town, and I know a lot of people, and I talk to a lot of people there. You can get fentanyl at the corner Circle K quicker than you can get any kind of prescription at Walgreens. I'm aware. And do you know how much it costs for a dose? Yes. The price used to be five bucks a pill, yep. and now they're down under a dollar That's a pill. correct. I want everyone to know and that. You know it, Rich. Good for you. I mean, bad that we yeah. have to know this, but good for you for knowing it. You know of what you're speaking. You can now get yeah. deadly fentanyl for less than a dollar. Yep. And, and so lots more kids, oh, yeah, they're going to try a pill. But anyway, the next thing is retail theft. 
I, I forget. I think it was Target that said they're losing what four million or four Sounds billion. Sounds right to me. Yeah, this, right. This year, due to uh, shrink, you know, yep. uh, retail theft. Yep. And Circle K and QTs, they're all having to hire security guards because yep. people are ripping stuff off. Yep. And all of that um, shrinkage. These guys on the corner, they're selling the the toothpaste yep. and the laundry detergent. Yep. And, and they're the ones stealing it. In order to buy their... Yep, absolutely right, Rich. This is the worst of vicious cycles. Into, yep. And uh, girls are going into prostitution. Yes, sir. Or, you know, sex work. This is why it is so cruel to keep these zone, this zone and this chronic homeless population in the state that they're in. It is so cruel because, yeah, as you put... You were... I may have interrupted you. I didn't mean to. But as you are putting it, they are the victims of their own depredations. They are the ones abusing yep. themselves first. They are the ones engaging in arson and rape and assault and battery against each other, first and foremost. And, it's and awful. The point I had made to you before in another call is, you know, there's 100, 110,000 people a year dying from it. Yep. There's probably millions of them that are hooked on it. Yep. That aren't dead. Yep. And as Sam Cononas put it in a recent interview, all of them will die. All fentanyl users will die. Wrap your head around that. Thank you, Rich. Sorry I had to run. Be right back.